Welcome to Green Minds Think Alike uh, here at day two or day two and a half of uh, USDN 2019 here in Detroit, Michigan. Uh, joining me today is Kamar Jensen from Evanston, Illinois. So Kamar, thanks for joining me for a few minutes. How are you? We, I've really enjoyed, uh, you just get, uh, we just came from the keynote, Adrian Murray Brown. Um, so if you want to maybe speak a little bit about how you found her work and what kind of inspired that, and then we'll jump into your work in Evanston. Excellent. Thank you, Chris. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. So I'm Kumar Jensen. I'm the Chief Sustainability and Resilience Officer for the City of Evanston, Illinois. Um, as you just mentioned, uh, we just had our, our keynote plenary speaker, Adrian Marie Brown, who is a Detroit-based um, activist among, among among many other things. And so I sort of came to her work. I was gifted her second book, Emergent Strategy, by, by a former or a close friend and former colleague. Um, and really, I think uh, when I did get into the book and started reading it, one of the things that was really resonated with me and I think helped me get through the rest of it and feel like it uh, was something that was really important to take into my, into my spaces was this focus on um, personal transformation and healing and the way that that connects to systems change. Um, and so I think it's been very helpful for me to make that personal connection. It makes me feel far more invested um, and like I have a lot more at stake, which we all know with the climate crisis, we all do have a lot of everything, you know, at stake. But um, emergent strategy and Adrian Marie Brown's words and work, I think have really made that connection very explicit for me and in a way that feels really meaningful and like I can um, learn and grow and heal from that. Can you talk about how her work and it reflects what you do in Evanston, how, how that applies to the context and where you're in in Evanston. Absolutely. So again, a lot, of, a lot of her work focuses on that transformation and, and 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 healing at the personal level, but also, as she mentioned, particularly in the in the question and answer, there were conversations or, or questions related to um, acknowledging past trauma and healing at the communal scale, and and being cognizant that communities that have gone through historical trauma to not ask them to go back through that trauma as a learning experience or um, uh, to help move the process forward, but also find ways to acknowledge that, uh, not just apologize, but acknowledge and work through that. Um, with sort of all the partners involved. And in Evanston, I think we have a lot of different, you know, cases, one in particular that is not necessarily super climate focused in its current articulation, but there is a resolution related to uh, reparations for particularly redlining um, and other uh, very clear systemic um, and institutional policies um, that were targeting primarily black uh, black homeowners um, in the black community in Evanston. And so uh, it's, it's a very robust conversation that's been happening for a long time and it's now formalizing. And I think that process has been, is really helpful for me to be able to participate and observe in, uh, to understand what that actually looks like in my, in the community that I work in, um, to inform the conversations that I'm having in the spaces that I'm entering. So it's not just this sort of, where are you? What are the demographics? What types of organizations are there? But also this solid and strong recognition of the historical threads that also tie us to the current. So if we're looking at trying to make you know big institutional change around energy systems or waste systems or transportation access um there are a lot of people who have felt that policies uh, earlier and former policies that were articulated perhaps very similarly um in terms of the purported benefits actually were incredibly uh discriminatory and exclusive um and and, and caused harm and so again not necessarily uh super climate explicitly climate related but it is informing our work absolutely are you guys working or have you already created a sustainability or climate action plan that you guys are 
have created and then sort of applying this lens, the equity and diversity lens to that? Or are you kind of having that as, a, as you're developing plans in, in regards to, you know, energy and other things within the city? So Evanston has a pretty long-standing history, particularly for the Midwest, in terms of climate action planning. The community has approved three climate action plans, all of them sort of in succession. And so 2008 was the first one. It expired in 2012. There was a 2014 plan that expired in 2016. Both of those plans were very heavily focused on energy systems and transportation and sort of like laundry lists of things that could be done. They weren't as focused on um, uh, resilience and thinking about the impacts of climate change, nor were they very human or, or, or people-centric. This most recent plan, which was adopted by City Council in December of 2018, so just just under a year ago, um, really tries to to bind all these things together. And so in USDN, as you know, Chris, we talk about this nexus between resilience and climate mitigation and action and, um, and, and equity. And I think this plan, uh, you know, no plan is perfect, but this plan in Evanston is the first that really tries to tie all of those three together. I think it still has a strong mitigation focus um, because that's the, the area we're most comfortable articulating. But the resilience section um, is is one that I think we're, we're becoming quickly accustomed to talking about and learning the information that we don't have and the information we do have. And then, you know, people-centered um, sort of design and planning as, a, you know, and sort of that articulation of, of racial equity in the plan, I think we're we're now trying to focus on that articulation as the basis for all our policy development. And so the planning document itself does provide some guiding principles at the beginning. And one of them is that all policies and actions within that plan will be um, developed by, you know, using a racial equity centered lens that has been developed by the city council and our equity and empowerment commission. And so that's one of the ways that we're trying to also mold our process into and not have it be separate from some of the other um, existing policy work in the community. Can you talk about some of the tools in the network? And You have a leadership role in, in the network now. Can you talk about both that leadership role and, and what that brings to you as a, a, in your day-to-day work as well as the tools that the network has provided you for this equity and, and diversity implementation, training, those types of things? Absolutely. So um, I, I, I wear a couple hats in USDN. One is that I'm on the Planning Advisory and Advisory Committee, which is the primary governance committee for USDN, aside from the, the newly formed board of directors. Um, I'm also a co-chair for the People of Color Support Initiative, which is a space that was launched about three years ago um, at the 2017 annual meeting to focus on um, identifying and creating and supporting people of color in the network, but also facilitating hopefully more people of color being able to enter the network. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's those two roles. And then I also play a role on the Partners for Places Governance Committee. And so that is the committee that oversees the governance of um, some of the programs, particularly the Partners for Places grant uh, grant program. And so uh, in particular, um, there are a couple tools and activities that USDN provides to members that are interested in, in furthering their work and understanding of racial equity um, in particular. One is a foundations training class. And so it's a in-person. Re- it starts as an in-person retreat here at the annual meeting. So usually it's all day Saturday, um, and I think it, it does spill over into Sunday as well. Um, and so that work is for 
for uh, communities that are interested in kind of at the 101 level, um, but really it's applicable to anybody. Uh, it's a very valuable training. Um, and then there, along with that, there are other resources. So there's coaching that's available too. So one of the things that we continue to hear is that those trainings are really valuable, but really what people need after that is this consistent ability to talk and process um, and get advice and feedback on how to actually implement this stuff or continue the change throughout their organization. And so one of the, uh, I wouldn't say it's attention, but one of the areas that, um, you know, takes a lot of learning for us is thinking about, you know, starting with the individual um, in, in that transformation, but then how do you support that individual in making that change and finding a space to work in that way um, and sort of with their new understandings um, in their institution, right? Um, because that also, we can't, as individuals do, you know, make all the change that's necessary. There's also, you know, some funding opportunities that now have institutionalized um, the, race, the equity foundations training as well as other um, sort of requirements around for applicants. And so we're trying to not only provide the resources and training, um, but also then say, you know, if you do that, we also want to make it more overt that that's the way that the network is um, encouraging and perhaps in some future iteration requiring members um, who want to part- who are, are participating in the space that equity is not necessarily an optional thing in right. this space. And that, that's a, it's a conversation. We have not, there are no formal rules that have been created about that, but there are, if you look at the Partners for Places grant um, cycle, uh, there is a requirement in there now that um, uh, core members who are applying for that grant have to have taken equity foundations or a similar type of training. Okay. Yeah, I mean, that's perfect. I'm on the peer learning uh, exchange selection committee. And, you know, right now we do have a portion of it that says, you know, how is, is equity addressed in this proposal? And, you know, our discussion was it should it shouldn't just be a five point thing that's considered along with how sustainable was this trip from a logistics standpoint. I mean, it should really be pervasive throughout everything that we're looking at and not just sort of be marginalized in how we're scoring. You know, Mm -hmm. we need to thinking about that in everything that we're doing. And so, you know, I I can't commend you enough for the the work that you've done in leadership in in bringing this into the network. So I, I think that's great. Going hyper local then yeah. to Evanston, being an Illinois grad, right. <laughs> um, I'd like to know, you know, how you guys interface with Northwestern mm-hmm. and the role that Northwestern plays in Evanston uh, with the work that you guys do. It's a great question. So obviously, Northwestern is a very large entity, uh, landowner. Um, an actor in Evanston. And so I'd say at the most sort of explicit level, um, I have a strong working relationship with the sustainability staff people at Northwestern. Um, and so my goal is to always uh, be a good a good partner. And what that means for me at a bare minimum um, is that they know from me when things are changing, but also that we're developing a relationship of um, you know, Adrian Marie Brown talks about sort of interdependence. That can be very tricky, right? Um, particularly because it's a very political relationship. But I want to also develop a relationship where they feel supported um, and that when we're, you know, developing a big climate action plan or looking at a renewable energy strategy um, or revising our commercial solid waste franchise uh, to, to be able to increase more diversion, that whatever Northwestern is doing, um, and they're already doing a lot that is supporting our goals, but that we're, we're helping them accelerate that as well. 
well. They want and are a great partner. Um, and I think one of the one of the real benefits that we've seen over time is um, because we've had a close working relationship, primarily because of some of our specific policies, like our commercial solid waste franchise, but also our energy and water benchmarking ordinance. They're the largest property owner. They have the largest number of properties in Evanston, and we've been able to uh, work with them to make sure they're adequately reporting, but also in a way that we can help use that information to inform the community about what role Northwestern is actually playing in that, because we certainly do get a lot of questions and sometimes frustration from residents about well, why isn't Northwestern doing XYZ? And part of it is is sort of branding and articulation, right? And a lot of Northwestern's um, focus, and I would say probably justifiably so, is on their own community, um, and not that their own community is in Evanston, but students, faculty, you know, visitors, uh, the folks who are using their facilities most frequently. And so we also try, and it's something we try to do with our other partners as well. We want the community to be aware of what they're doing so that they can, you know, express their concerns and support or frustration, but also so that that narrative is, is clearer. And so we're not necessarily blaming people for things that maybe they're already doing really well. And in some cases, Northwestern actually has goals that are more ambitious than ours. So they have an energy efficiency uh, or energy reduction goal um, of 20% by 2020 for all of their facilities. And that's, um, if you line it up with our community-wide goal of a 25% energy consumption reduction by 2025, they're they're ahead of that. And so uh, we look to them sometimes also to be experts. We also, I'd say, participate with them in a lot of the um, sort of collaborations around learning um, and they'll oftentimes have student groups that will do research and analysis for us. We consistently have interns. And so that steady kind of flow of projects back and forth, um, I think also just helps keep the relationship fresh. Great. So just one thing to finish up on, you know, at some point in time, you may walk away from this position at Evanston. What's, what's something you hope you to accomplish? What do you want to see done uh, when, you know, in, in the time that you're there? What, what kind of keeps you driving going every day? Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I it, it feels a little there's there's a lot of things that I want to like have like on my checklist that I want to make sure happen, um, and I think you know one of them is well I'll just do a specific project. So we have a waste transfer station in Evanston that's located in a, a residential neighborhood. There are homes right next to it. You know there are 18 wheelers are driving in and out. There's dump trucks, all sorts of stuff, um, and it's been a real nuisance and a headache, literal headache for people. Um, and we've started to do some work I think around the sort of not necessarily reconciliation but acknowledging the harm that may be taking place. And before you know before I leave, if when if and when I transition out of my role in Evanston. And I want to be sure that that process can keep moving forward. Um, and so I don't necessarily know exactly what that looks like, but making sure there are others within the organization that feel comfortable and able to continue that community conversation in a way that you know leads to funding and leads to changes in policy. Uh, that's, that's, I'd say, one of our most or- organically um, derived programs. And so there's a lot of community concern around it and there has been historically and it feels very important to me that we continue to honor and make space for what that process looks like and so for me personally i really want that project to to continue on you know regardless who may be you know wearing that hat or title in evanston well great and uh, you know thank you so much for taking the time to do this but more importantly for the time you put in the network you know helping put on a great event what you've done on the equity front uh here at usdn again thanks for all that you do and uh, you know it's been it's been great and thanks again yeah all appreciate right. it thank you perfect